Welcome to Integrative Medicine Solutions with Forum Health, the podcast. Our nationwide network of integrative and functional medicine providers believe in a new standard of healthcare, one that creates optimal health by focusing on partnering with you, understanding your needs, learning about your unique health history, and getting to the root cause of your concerns. Using advanced testing, emerging therapies, and the latest technology, Forum Health providers are at the forefront of integrative and functional health care for all. Your journey to better health starts here. I am pleased to introduce Chief Medical Officer at Forum Health, Dr. Shilpa P. Saxena. For those of you not familiar, Dr. Saxena is a board-certified family physician with 20-plus years of innovative medical experience. She is globally recognized as an expert and leader in lifestyle medicine, cardiometabolic health, hormone disorders, autoimmune conditions, and clinical nutrition. Dr. Saxena also developed Forum Health's popular medically supervised gut detox program, GDRX. Welcome, Dr. Saxena. Hi, Britt. How are you? Hi, everyone. I'm doing great. Well, we're very excited for you to speak with us today about the formula for a great detox. Well, welcome everyone. I want to get started just by having you have a conversation with me about this topic. We are going to be talking about a topic that if you are interested in functional and integrative medicine or are seeing someone who offers this type of holistic care, if they are not talking about this topic, they are not truly functional and integrative. This is a core topic. That's why it is one of our featured webinars that we're taking extra time on. So I want you to know that this applies to everyone. In fact, it applies to you even before you were born. So I use this topic even to counsel the pregnant women that I take care of. I used to deliver babies. I'm a family physician, but also certified to do obstetrics low-risk obstetrics. So I have an intimate knowledge of the entire life cycle, starting from conception all the way through pregnancy, all the way through life, and also how these things affect, if you will, the dying process. So let's get started. The reason why self-care is so important is because 80% of all symptoms and diseases you have can be improved with self-care alone. I promise you, you take a look at the ways that you're eating and moving and the way you're interacting with your environment, you can make a significant dent in what you're dealing with right now. So what we're here for in the Self-Care Collective is to give you vetted information. I wanna filter down the noise that you have to look up on the internet so you can just get the true science and science that I've been working on for over 20 years. Then I'm gonna give you decision support to help you understand, hey, which category am I in? And then which solutions are in each one of those categories. So not only do you get the information, you know how to choose powerfully and then get some results. I want to share a little bit about my background so you know who I am when you're taking the information I'm presenting. So I'm a 20-year board-certified family medicine doctor, an MD, but also fellowship trained in integrative medicine and senior faculty with the Institute for Functional Medicine. I love making complex health issues simple so that you can understand them and that you can start acting on them. These days, I'm a student of life. These days, I'm learning how to uh, raise children who are now adults, and they're adulting faster than I'm sometimes ready. Social health is essential for health. I am so sure that the connections I have with my children play a role in my health and theirs. All right, let's get started with this fundamental concept of original design. You've heard me speak about it before. Original design is the way our bodies and the way nature 
was designed, whether you believe in God or evolution or any other concept, you have to admit that certain things were designed to work best a certain way. So if we look at this oak tree or we look at us, we know that the air, the water, the food, the way it rests, the way it breathes, the way it eliminates waste, there was a certain formula that it was designed to follow. And there was a certain environment it thought it was going to be in. The thing is, is that these days we've really come far, far away from that original design. So we're gonna be focusing a bit on what needs to be removed from our lifestyles and our bodies that interferes with this original design. So that's how we're coming up with this topic, detoxification, you know, how to reduce garbage in and how to get more garbage out. So let's talk garbage. Well, one of the biggest sources of garbage is something called inflammation. You've probably heard this word. It's a buzzword. Remember, inflammation is kind of like your immune system's burglar alarm. So if your immune system feels threatened in any way, then it's going to sound off an alarm of chemicals. And we call that inflammation. That's when something might get red, hot, swollen, tender. You might have loss of function. So um, think of an infection. If you get like a, a flu, don't things become red, hot, swollen, tender, and you get a loss of function? Yeah. That's because a whole bunch of inflammatory chemicals were released in your body to be able to attack the bug, but you're having to pay a certain price. Same thing happens if you have a cut or an injury, whether it was purposeful or surgery. Stress sounds off the alarm. Food, and I really should put food in parentheses. Good food doesn't send off inflammation alarm signals, but fake food surely does. It's just foreign to the immune system. It doesn't know what to do with it. It thinks it's an enemy, a burglar. The environment surely has a lot of things that seem threatening to the immune system. And then the other thing that can be threatening is when something, and I'm using the word belly fat because it just fits in the oval easier, but when something in original design starts taking up more space or taking over more resources than is optimal, your immune system starts to get into play. It's like, hey, fat, we need you, but now you're getting to be too much and you're now starting to create an imbalance in the body. I'm sounding off the alarm. So when that alarm goes off, it's like I said, it creates a chemical cascade. And a lot of those chemicals are necessary in the short term, but they're garbage at the end of the day. So you start increasing the garbage inside your body every single time inflammation is going on. And if you've heard before or you know, around town or around the news, inflammation is the root cause of most every single chronic disease. So I'm talking about heart disease, autoimmunity, dementia, cancer, ADHD, all these types of diseases that last for months and years, inflammation is generally at the root cause of it. So here we have this garbage building up. Well, just like in real life, when we have garbage, we sort it, right? We have our recycling and we have our regular trash and we have landscape trash and maybe we have composting trash. So same thing in the body, it's got two main categories. Either the garbage dissolves in fat, so that's fat soluble toxins, or the garbage that's in your body or that has to be processed dissolves in water. We call that water soluble toxins. Now there's different organs that help with these different types of garbage. So the liver is in charge of the garbage that dissolves in fat and the colon, the kidney, and your skin are in charge of the garbage that dissolves in water. Now you're probably very familiar with the water soluble routes because this part of your garbage elimination system, okay, this way of getting the garbage inside your body, out of your body, 
is intuitive. You either poop it out, you pee it out, or you sweat it out. Now I want you to think right now, are you a good pooper? Are you a good peer? And are you a good sweater? Because if you don't do that well regularly, then you can think, uh-oh, I'm not getting my garbage out effectively, according to original design. Now let's talk about fat-soluble garbage. If you think about it, the liver doesn't have a direct hole to the outside, so it can't get rid of its garbage that way. So what the liver has to do is two extra steps. It's got to change its fat-soluble garbage to dissolve in water, and it goes through a two-step process. We call that phase one and phase two detoxification. Sometimes it's called phase one and phase two conjugation or biotransformation. All these fancy scientific words, I'm just going to use the word detox, phase one and phase two detox. And I'd have to say that the liver, when it's processing its fatty garbage to make it water soluble, it really likes to take it to the colon to get rid of. Now, I want you to think about this. If you tend to be constipated, which I will tell you most and many of my patients are, and more of the American public is more constipated than they realize. If you have a bottleneck in the colon, well, then the garbage is going to back up into the liver. And then that liver is going to be like, well, I can't store it. And it backs up into the blood and the blood's going to be like, I don't want it. And so then other organs are going to take on this garbage because you're backed up just like if it was in your own house. If the garbage man did not come day after day after day, week after week after week, the garbage would start building up in your house. You might try to store it in the garage for a bit, but at some point it's gonna to have to make it into the house if you can't, if you don't have room in the garage. Same thing with the body. So now let's think of original design. How much garbage do you really think we were intended to process? So if you think about your ancestors in the 1700s or 1800s, just think of how they ate far few chemicals, yeah, of course they had some chemicals, like maybe those old automobiles, you know, that our ancestors used were, you know, toxic, but not everybody was driving an auto, automobile. Overall, their food was organic. The air that they were breathing was relatively clean. So the garbage coming in was much less. And you think about it. Yes, infection was an issue, but it wasn't likely as much of an issue as it is now. If you got the infection, it was probably life-threatening but day to day, their immune systems were generally healthy. So there wasn't a lot of inflammation. Now let's look at our lives today. So let's just take a little bit of a, a little stroll through a typical life in the day of a modern human. Many of the things that we use to clean our homes or to clean our clothes and these things, I don't care how many trees and beautiful nature scenes they have on the label, likely there's some chemicals in there. And remember when it's on your clothes, that's touching your skin and your skin has holes in it. And your skin will literally absorb the chemicals that are in those cleaners. That builds up over time. Your foods, if you look at the ingredients on the foods, many of those really overly processed foods have chemicals in them. Those are going directly in the hole of your mouth into your blood and guts. And like I said, your immune system is thinking, what is this? Think about the things that you use to kill bugs and viruses and roaches and all these pesticides for your lawn. These types of things are building up in you because of course it gets into the air. Of course, it's gonna be something that you're touching. The prescriptions you take, although they may serve a benefit, as far as the body is concerned, it's a chemical. That's why you have to dose it every day because every day the body's like, I don't want this. 
and it gets rid of it. And then you have to dose it again. Like too bad. I want you to take this medication. Think of the stuff that you lather on your body, you slather on your skin, you foam up your hair with, that you shave with chemicals, chemicals, chemicals. Scented candles and air fresheners are one of the biggest and perfumes. Oh, poor air quality is one of the biggest sources of toxic chemicals, daily toxic chemicals. So if you have these in your home, just know you're breathing them in. And these, many of them are fat soluble toxins. Think of uh, some of you are old enough that you might've had silver fillings or mercury amalgams in your mouth. These are on your teeth and they're slowly, every single time you're chewing, micro eroding mercury, which is a heavy metal toxin into your mouth. Your mouth has tons of blood vessels. So it continuously is absorbing mercury and mercury is very highly magnetic. It loves to bind onto tissue and stay in your body for long periods of time, unless you actively figure out a way to get rid of it. The pesticides on our produce, the pollution in the air from things you don't even see. Think about when you travel, the jet fuel, like when you're sitting there waiting for the plane to go off and you smell those chemicals, that's getting into your body. Even the fish that you eat, if that fish was in the water and absorbing mercury, then you are eating this bioaccumulated, like compacted version of whatever was in the water. The larger the fish, the larger the mouth of the fish, the longer the fish lived, the more likely it's got chemicals in it. So you can start, you might be overwhelmed at this point. You might be like, oh my gosh, we're doomed. I want you to know that I still live in this world with you. And there are many ways to reduce the impact of these toxins and improve your garbage in garbage out formula. That's what this whole talk is about. So just to kind of compartmentalize some of the toxins, just know that there's some that you're going to know about because you see them, like maybe you can start to choose smarter uh, ways to make things smell good. If you like things to be smelling good, maybe pick, you know, more natural personal hygiene products for sure. Start to pick like real food and real drink versus fake food and fake drink. There's stealth toxins that we're going to talk about how we can minimize. And then there's also just garbage that's just going to be made because you're alive and burning um, fuel. And that's going to create garbage, even your own hormones. As you use up your hormones, you create hormone garbage. Um, you create stress garbage. So some of this stuff is inevitable. Uh, the goal is to reduce the stuff that you do have control over. And the reason why is because these fat soluble toxins, the ones that the liver processes are everywhere and they build up over time because the liver has a certain process that gets overwhelmed. So here's that diagram again. So remember, you've got garbage from the inside of your body. You have garbage coming from the outside of your body. It's a total garbage load. And a lot of that that tends to build up is from the liver and or the colon backing up. You start getting this garbage traffic jam, if you will. So let's talk about what the liver is supposed to be doing. Okay, in original design, those two phases, phase one and phase two, I want you to think of phase one as where the liver takes the garbage and actually gathers it up and almost makes it sticky. And why does it make it sticky? Because part two or phase two of detoxification is to add a special kind of garbage bag to it. And a, a special bag is determined based on the chemical structure. So some garbage needs to be sulfated, some needs to be methylated, some needs to be acetylated. 
that's not important to you. You just need to know you need a variety of trash bags to be able to take that sticky activated phase one garbage and quickly put a bag on it so that it can get out. Now, where do we get these trash bags? Well, guess what? When those healthy food pyramids talk about eating five to nine servings of fruits and vegetables and eating healthy fiber and eating healthy grains or healthy animal protein, that's the way we get a lot of these trash bags. Now, I don't know about you, but it's very rare that I find someone who's eating five to nine servings of fruits and vegetables that are clean and organic. It's just really, really hard to do in modern society. So what we end up seeing is a bunch of people who get liver fat-soluble toxic backup. It's like the liver can do part one, and sometimes it can't even do that if it doesn't have the nutrients, but if it does part one and it's running low on its phase two garbage bags, which is where we really need the liver to get nutrients for, well, then you get stuck with what we call a toxic intermediate. And these toxic intermediates increase your risk for cancer, hormone problems, brain problems, et cetera, et cetera. Because it's kind of like big piles of stinky trash sitting in your house without a trash bag. You can't even put it in a trash bag to take it out to the garage and then to the curb. It's kind of, you can visualize it that way. So it is essential that you have enough trash bags, phase two trash bags, all different sorts to bag up the garbage so you can send it to the colon so you can poop it out. And then we got to make sure the colon is a super pooper. So really, even though I said that in the beginning, part of the garbage in garbage out equation is to make sure we know what needs to be removed from the body that interferes with the original design. I'm adding a little caveat at the top. You also need to know that your liver needs certain things added into your body, like certain nutrients that help it make the garbage bags it needs to remove the garbage. Okay. So just so you know, these things build up over time. If someone, if someone were to look at me right now in my lifestyle, they'd say like, Oh, Shilpa, you're doing pretty good. Like I see essential oils. I don't see toxic candles. You know, you clean your floors with vinegar and water. Um, you're trying to buy organic produce, but when not you're scrubbing, I would look like a pretty clean person. But unfortunately, for 10 to 20 years, I grew up, you know, I was born and raised in Queens, New York, and I was at convenience stores, the corner market, and my family owned some convenience stores. So I had like full access to junk in convenience stores. And that stuff that I did is what created all my disease risk by the time I was in my mid 20s and early 30s. So I want you to know that your garbage is not just based on how you're living today. It's based on all the stuff you've done over time. It adds up. And just to kind of complicate it a little further, there are studies that are done that even when a child is born, they log up to over a hundred chemicals in the child, just from what the mother has been exposed to and put into the fetus prior to delivery. So we are toxic even before we're born based on our mother's womb being basically toxic soil. So just know that this stuff builds up, but there's so much we can do about it. So 
even though I'm saying that you're likely full of garbage as a human today, I'm going to then share with you what you can start doing to start making your garbage in garbage out equation look a lot better. And when it looks a lot better, you will feel tremendously better when you get garbage out of your body. So maybe a little decision support right now. I want you to just kind of think about who you are. Are you the person who had a family that was very conscious of chemicals growing up? You know, your parents didn't let you play on the lawn after it was sprayed for pesticide, or they generally ate whole foods that they cleaned very well, mostly organic, or maybe from a, you know, a garden that they had. I'm going to say that likely this is a very rare minority, but if you are this person, Listen, keep doing what you're doing, what you've been doing, focus on maintaining your balance. I have some tools for you to kind of up your game. But like I said, that's probably less than 1% of you. I mean, I would even venture to say less than 0.1 of you. Most of us are in the next two categories. Like people who lived, you know, fairly clean lives, like mostly home cooked meals. But you know what? You're just living and breathing in modern society. You are going to, you've had your pizza every now and then. You've had sodas maybe every now and then growing up. So, you know, you're probably backed up, even though you did your best. And then there are people who have an exceptionally toxic life, like parents who smoked indoors or grew up in a town that had like toxic smokestacks and uh, issues like this. Or maybe they had five to 10 silver fillings in their mouth for 40 years. These types of things are like super toxic signals that need to be mitigated. So Britt, I'm going to stop my share so that we can take some questions from the group. Yes, that was great information. I didn't realize that it's it's not even if you're eating healthy today, it's really your entire history uh, that you have to consider and think about. So um, this was great information. Here, a question just came in, a great one. Which toxins go through which organs? Great question. And then how do you know how to get a specific toxin out? Yeah, that's really good. Listen, that is a losing battle for most, for most of the toxins. It doesn't actually matter you knowing like, oh, I use this chemical. So what do I need to eat to get this chemical out of my body? Or is it fat soluble or water soluble? In general, what I would tell you from a keep it simple, you know, approach is optimize on a general level, the ability for your liver to have a bunch of trash bags, all different kinds, make sure you're a good pooper, peer and sweater, and then limit the amount of garbage that you have coming in. And we'll talk about some tricks there. So don't get overly, you know, oh, I'm drinking caffeine and caffeine requires this trash bag. So I should eat more blueberries. I think you're going to create a lot of stress from that and create new garbage from trying to figure that out. Um, So keep it simple. We're going to give you some ideas on a broad level to support your liver, your colon, your kidney, and your skin so that you don't have to obsess over those types of details. That's great, because it can be stressful. Oh, yeah. You know, it can, what, what do you do? You know, it can be very stressful. I'm glad you mentioned sweating, because we just had a, a question come in. What happens if I'm just not good at sweating? Yeah, you know, I, first of all, there are people who are maybe good at sweating, but they don't exercise, so they don't sweat, okay? Uh, that's, uh, you wanna look at your total sweat volume, if you will. So even if you're a good sweater, but you do not sweat regularly, then you are missing out on your skin 
being a big detoxification player for you. Your skin is actually your largest detoxification organ. Just the surface area of your skin is a great way to get rid of garbage. So you've probably heard people talking about infrared saunas or, you know, just going out and sweating. This is one of the perks of exercise is it literally is a detoxifying um, process when you get sweat to come out of your body. Cause, and if you smell it, listen, sometimes people will tell me they can smell chemicals in their sweat. Mm. Um, they can smell their hormones in their sweat and hormones are when, remember I told you hormones are a form of fatty toxins after they're used up. So it's lovely. If you're sweating, I want to encourage you to sweat. Even if that means like sitting outside, let's just say you're weak and you don't have a ton of exercise experience. You could just sit outside and sweat reasonably, make sure you're drinking water with electrolytes so that you're replacing good stuff in with the toxic water going out. Um, far infrared saunas are great. We actually have one on shop form health. If you just go under equipment, we have like a little personalized sauna that does wonderful work. And there you just sit there and far infrared means the wavelength goes deeper into your tissue and draws deeper toxins out not just the ones that are in your skin at the moment. So sweating is huge. Especially, and I think I'm so glad you brought up the sauna because it's especially good for people who, you know, are living in cold weather climates and it's difficult to sweat sometimes, even when you exercise. So that's such a great alternative to really help your, your body process those toxins. Uh, Debbie just wrote in, are all candles toxic? I'll say a majority of them are, you really want to, I don't use candles. I use essential oils. I'll mm. find an organic essential oil company and I use those. So I get an essential oil diffuser. I mix the good essential oil with water and I diffuse that in the air. And that is, that is a principle of clinical aromatherapy as well. So in my integrative medicine fellowship, that is what I learned that Essential oils are oils, so they are fatty, but if they are fake uh, oils, which are mostly what are in candles, then you're just, you're just burning. It's like burning plastic that smells good. Like plastic, you would never burn plastic and smell it in your house, right? But if you make it smell good, it's very deceiving that it's okay. I don't care if it's lavender smelling, if it's not real lavender essential right. oil, your body is like, what the heck, Debbie? Right. I know. I always get a headache when people have those really strong candles, or if you go into Yankee candle, it just, it's, it's so strong. It, I don't know how people can work there sometimes or have them in their home. Well, let me just say real, real great observation, Britt. See your headache is because the fat soluble toxin that you smelled goes in, goes into your bloodstream, goes to your brain and causes your brain to hurt. Oh my goodness. That is actually what is happening. And that is a sign. If I'm the same way, I don't have a great liver, like genetically, I wasn't born with a great liver. So I have to be very mindful. So like when I go beyond be, um, in the mall past one of those candle shops, I hold my breath mm -hmm. and it, I don't care how weird I look, but I'm going <laughs> to limit my exposure even if you're like, if you're somebody who um, like can't be around perfumes or paints or solvents, we call that multiple chemical sensitivity. Mm. And that is a surefire sign that you need to detox. Yes, absolutely. 
you know, I have a, my own personal question. I yeah. would love to know what are some things that you do in your own home just to reduce your family's exposure to toxins? Because they're everywhere in our cleaning products, the furniture, our mattresses. I would love to know what you do. Yeah, perfect. So um, number one, I try to, so air is a big portion of our toxicity. So I don't do any kind of like um, air fresheners that are, you know, in a bottle. Um, I use vinegar. I don't use bleach. I don't use ammonia. Now, if I use bleach, it's going to be in a short amount, like in my bathroom, if I'm trying to kind of prevent mold or something like that. And then I, I try to even wear a mask when I'm doing the cleaning. And then I turn on my vent fan, close the door and let that clean out. I don't just let that fume go into the rest of my house. Um, I also have a really good air filtration system, you know, like one of those room filtration systems that removes stuff that comes in because I have people who come in, like sometimes my kids have friends who like love to douse themselves with the perfume and the cologne. They're at that, you know, right. pheromone attractive. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, okay. I'm not going to keep them from entering my home. So I just try to keep something to keep the air clean. Whenever the air quality and pollen quality is clean outside, I'll open doors and windows and let that fresh right. air in to let my hair, uh, to let the air mm -hmm. um, ventilate. I, um, listen, I'm not a purist, like all my produce is not organic. Yeah. All right. I, I, it's very, it's very hard. I mean, you have to have a pretty significant income to do that. So what I try to do is minimize the stuff that I really have a choice on. So my cleaning products and my air quality are two big things. And then my personal hygiene products, mm -hmm. I will spend more for those and spend less on other things that I don't feel like are that important. So for instance, I have a coffee machine and I make my own coffee and I get good quality coffee and I save a ton of money not going to such and such coffee places right. for my, you know, appuccino or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, ad fun title here. But right. those, that's an expensive toxic habit. So I, I just shift funds to be able to pay for the stuff that keeps my house clean. Absolutely. And then yeah. you feel better. You start to notice that you feel better. I know oh, I switched sure. all over to just clean products, baking soda, lemon, vinegar, and I had less headaches. I felt a lot better. Yeah. So it's, it's right. worth it. I love that shifting the funds. I think that makes a lot of sense for people. Plus you make your own coffee at home and it, it makes your whole house smell good too. Smell good too. It's a great right. air freshener. <laughs> it's a great air freshener. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I just had a great question come in. Are there any prescription medications that are especially toxic and hard for the liver to remove or to avoid if possible? Yes, yes, yes. Great question. Okay. So number one, over-the-counter Tylenol or acetaminophen, anything that's over-the-counter that has acetaminophen, the brand name is Tylenol. That is especially hard on the liver. Um, you know that people will actually use Tylenol overdose to commit suicide. That's how toxic, toxic Tylenol is. So what I would tell you is, is that whenever possible, try to avoid Tylenol. Now there are some people who cannot take it because they can't take, you know, an ibuprofen or an aspirin, but just try to minimize it. Don't just loosely take Tylenol because every time you're taking that, you are using up a lot of trash bags. Mm -hmm. If you have to, you have to, but I'll give you solutions on how to get extra trash bags. 
The other medication that is very hard on the liver in general is anything hormone. So birth control pills or hormone replacement therapy, especially the fake versions of hormones, not the bioidentical as much, but all hormones, fake or even real, remember, have to be processed through the liver. So if you're on birth control pills and, or you've been on it for five, 10, 15 years, you've been making your liver work hard. Now I get it. You want contraception. One of the things that I've been working on with my younger um, patients is potentially working with, you know, an IUD to see if, if it's non-hormonal releasing, or it has far less hormones being released than a birth control pill. If they know that, oh, I'm not going to be using, uh, or I don't want to have uh, children in the next five years, for example, birth control pills. Then the last thing not as commonly used now, but if you have a history of using Accutane for acne, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but you had to have been on birth control because that, because Accutane was so toxic to an unborn fetus. Okay. So if it's that toxic, (laughs) okay. That you have to be on birth control pill, like that it would literally create uh, a lot of fetal malformation. You just get a sense of how, how toxic that must be. And, and a lot of these people, you know, had this when they were teenagers, right? So early in their tree development. So if you have Accutane in the history of your life, you likely have backed up a lot of garbage. It's, it's one of the questions I ask all my patients. You'd be surprised how many of the patients who see us who can't be fixed have Accutane in their history. Wow. It was so common back then. Everybody took it. Mm-hmm. Instead of working on your diet, using supplements, doing other more natural things to get to the root cause. Um, uh, wow, that's that's very startling to hear. I'm sure a lot of people listening today have been on that at some point in their in their life. Yeah, yeah. I was just, you know, we prescribe these things left and right. We yeah. we don't always pay attention to the impact on original design. Right, right, without thinking. Um, another question just came in. What is the recommended amount of water to drink per day? in order to help promote toxin removal, or is there anything else recommended liquid-wise? Good question. So what I'm gonna tell you is water helps water-soluble toxins, but it does not help fat-soluble toxins, right? Not technically directly. So I do want you to drink water and there's so many different formulas, but for me, if you are urinating something that looks like a pale yellow and you're drinking around six to eight cups, and of course, maybe more if you're a sweater or you know you live in a hot climate or you exercise a lot, then you might have to do more. But if your urine is kind of on the pale side and your sweat is not super toxic smelling, that might be a sign that you're drinking enough water. If you're not making sweat, it could be you're not drinking enough water. Mm-hmm. Now, water helps with colon, kidney, and, and skin, does not help liver. Mm. Okay. And remember, the liver is the one that causes most of our drama. And right. there is not, I wouldn't say that there's a drink of choice for the liver. Um, it's foods that create the garbage bags for the liver. So now, one thing that water does do is, is it helps you poop. And remember when the liver has bagged up the garbage, it sends it to the colon. So, I mean, at least water would help to make sure you continue to poop, you know, with fiber so that the liver never backs up its garbage. Cause here's the other thing that you should know. Okay. These, I get so excited about this stuff. If the liver says, Hey garbage, let me bag you up. And it sends it to the colon. And, and now it's in the colon tube. Mm-hmm. And the colon is like, you know what? I don't feel like pooping today. Guess what? 
there are things in your colon that will literally say like, well, you can't be around here for too long, especially mm -hmm. hormones. And it will chop that garbage bag off. And that hormone garbage will get sucked back up into the blood. Oh my goodness. And then when it gets sucked back up into the blood, then it goes back to the liver and the liver will say, I thought I told you to get out of here. Right. And it has to use up another trash bag. Right. Okay. So do you see how you start right. using trash bags? So if poop sits too long, you will get splicing of the garbage bag. You lose out on that garbage bag that you used up. And now you got to use up another one, assuming the liver has it. Right. And if the liver doesn't have it, that's when it's going to start backing up into other fatty organs, like your brain, mm -hmm. your breast, your belly fat, your bone. And when these toxins get into those places, they're not there to help. They are there to interfere with original design. And that's how you start getting your diseases and that symptoms. Sense. Mm -hmm. That's such a good analogy. I, it, it makes it so much easier to understand how our body works. It's not as simple as just drinking a lot of water, drinking, putting lemon in your water. Our mm -hmm. poor liver, our liver really works hard. Works it overtime. really does. It really does. Yeah. I look it's like, amazing. I look like a superstar whenever I detox someone, but all I'm doing is honoring original design. Mm -hmm. Like that GDRX program, people think I'm a miracle worker. I'm not. All I'm doing is paying attention to the way the body was designed and how we don't align with it. And we're just getting you to align with it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, I know I've done GDRX twice now, and I'm probably going to do it again after the holidays. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> after I've eaten the bad stuff. Um, but it's, I mean, it is life-changing. You, you get energy back clarity. I mean, just, uh, you know, the brain fog goes away. I actually got off of caffeine. It was wonderful. I didn't think I could ever do it. Because you got rid of the toxins in your brain. <laughs> exactly. Right. Do you understand that? Yes, like that right. is why your brain is working better because you right. literally took the trash out of your brain. Yes. I always tell people like, can you imagine having six bags of garbage in your office that are stinking? Do you think you would work well? No. no. Right. Imagine if you had six bags of garbage in your bedroom. Do you think that would feel sexy? No, you're not going to have a lot of set. Like your hormones aren't going to work well. Your brain's not going to work well. If you have garbage backed up in rooms in your house, they're not going to work well. And what happens in traditional medicine is, is like, they'll go looking, they'll, they'll say there's a problem with your brain. No, it's a problem with your liver and your brain is the victim. So that's oh, why yes. when you go to doctors and they can't find the cause and they did every single thing to figure out why you have headaches and, oh, your brain looks fine. Yeah. Because they can't see the toxins on a CAT scan or an MRI. Right. So right. many times an organ is dysfunctioning, not because there's something wrong with the organ. It's because there's some other organ who is bullying, if you will, or kind of dumping on the brain, for example. And that's why traditional medicine doesn't always find the root cause because they're looking for an issue with the brain because they're a branch specialist. Right. Right. They're brain specialists. They're looking right. in the brain. Yeah, we're, everything is connected. And that's, I mean, that really is the beauty, I think, of what we do, um, what integrative medicine, functional medicine is about. Everything's connected. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Forum Health Podcast. Forum Health is the first nationwide network of integrative and functional medicine providers. To learn more about this topic and to find a Forum Health provider near you, visit forumhealth.com.